And we're back. Welcome back to the TKW podcast. That's the Knicks Wall podcast for first-time listeners. Today on this special day, I'm joined by my usual co-hosts, Kyle Maggio, Sean Geddes. But we have a very, I don't even think special encapsulates this guest. Does not. No. I'm just going to go straight with Icon, NBA champion, Hall of Famer, a true legend, Earl the Pro Monroe. Earl, thank you so much for coming. Hey, it's great to be with you guys, man. You know, it's this is my lifelong uh, ambition to try to get on here with you guys. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you started us off with that. I mean, <laughs> safe to say you already secured top guest in TKW podcast history. But let's talk about how we connected in the first place. Nick's Twitter was beyond excited to see you join. And I just wanted to see, how, how do you like in Twitter so far? Because I know it's a different world, but how are you liking it? Well, you know, like you said, it is a different world. Um, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was, you know, I, I hear a lot of things that, you know, people say. I People send me Twitter uh, quotes and things of that nature. So, you know, I, I, I've been interested in, in trying to deal with it and so forth and so on. And, um, but... You know, I was sitting down with my daughter one night and, and we were talking Knicks and talking basketball. She used to play herself. So uh, I, I agree with some of the stuff that I had uh, heard, but, uh, you know, some of the stuff I didn't agree with. So uh, she said, well, why don't you give yourself a, a voice on that? And uh, I said, well, I'll think about it. And so the next night I said, you know what? Let's do it. And so uh, here I am. Uh, it's been interesting. Um, you know, it's new, but, um, you know, I'm quite sure I'll get the hang of and, and know how to go about doing it. No, it's a fun time to be on Twitter, especially this year, because <laughs> thankfully you missed the angrier parts of Nick's Twitter. Right now, it's probably the happiest it's ever been. So I just want to see have, how much have you enjoyed watching this year's team? Well, I've actually, you know, really enjoyed watching the team. I mean, when you think in terms of how, you know, the team has done um, from the beginning of the year, it's been, a, a you know, like a metamorphosis, you know. Um, they've um, certainly have grown. Um, I enjoy see them, seeing them. And, you know, the growth factor in, 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 in players is something that's really uh, – spectacular, you know, to look at, uh, especially when, you know, we've, <laughs> from what we've seen in the past and to see this Nick team, you know, grow with their confidence and not only, you know, in each other, you know, but, you know, as far as the team is concerned, you could look at them and see how they play. And, you know, they look like they enjoy playing with each other. They, they definitely have enjoyed playing with each other, and that goes to the whole Big 15 thing, and it's been amazing to see all season. 
And uh, I mean, you know, it's almost like picking favorites, unfortunately, but who have you enjoyed watching most this season? Like as a former player and seeing all these players have big years and, you know, these are some of the biggest years of these guys' careers. So. Well, obviously Julius uh, Randle has been, you know, great to watch. Uh, you know, his maturation as a player has been really nothing short of uh, spectacular. I mean, we think of, you know, what we, what we saw last year, we saw a good player, but we didn't see the type of player that we we're seeing to, you know, this year. And I think that mass, you know, maturation is the basis for him being so confident and, and comfortable within himself and subsequently, you know, becoming the, the, the real leader of this team, you know, they're, you know, as, as well as they're, they're different heroes every night. And, you know, the different stories every night. I, th- I think in terms of uh, uh, Noel and the job he's done since uh, Mitchell Robertson has been gone and, and sidelined on uh, R.J. Uh, Brad. And, you know, he's certainly improved on his um, rookie year. And um, I guess with a little more consistency and, and whatnot, he's definitely a player to be reckoned with. Reggie Bullock, you know, starting to come up big. Alex Burks, you know, he was carrying the team for a while. Now he's, you know, he's starting to come back. Uh, you know, the job he's done. And, you know, and also, let's not think, you know, people are keep talking, we need a point guard, we need a point guard and so forth. But, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, when you, when you think of Peyton, you know, he's done a pretty good job all year long, especially now that he's gotten uh, pushed, uh, <laughs> you know, by quickly. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's a good thing to look at. And, you know, not to even mention uh, Derek Rose and, you know, what he's done and, and Todd Gibson, you know, that veteran leadership and, and coming off the bench and, you know, it's put this whole team together. You know, you got a great bunch of uh, uh, older players and, and, and younger players, and that's a, that's a good mix. Yeah, I actually wanted to get your uh, take on R.J. Barrett kind of maybe before the draft real quick because, you know, to this year, because all three of us were all in on R.J., Pretty instantaneously. Like, obviously, in the draft, we had wanted Zion. That was, we know the crown jewel. We know how the drafts go every year. But all of us watched every Duke game because of Zion and therefore RJ. And we all were pretty high on his all around game. And, you know, things were a little bit clunky last season, maybe. But we believe that this kind of player that he's shown this year had existed. But I now feel we maybe have downplayed how good he can be because he took a, a pretty considerable leap with his shooting and, and sort of everything else. But where did you stand maybe when we first got him towards now, or has that changed for you much? I don't think it's really changed that much. I, you know, obviously, um, you know, everybody was looking, you know, specifically, specifically at Zion. Um, but uh, I thought, it, you know, the, you know, he was a good alternative. I always say when, when, after the draft, I said, well, you know, Zion got to be the number one draft pick, but RJ got to be where he wanted to be. And that was here with the Knicks. And, and that's kind of how I felt about that whole scenario. Uh, he's, uh, you know, like you said, he's done a great job, you know, from his rookie year to now. His shooting has gotten so much better. It's comp- you know, I can't say enough about confidence in, in terms of players and whatnot. And when you see guys that go out and they play well, it has to be a confidence booster. 
And when you see guys playing well, the other guys see guys playing well, you know, it's infectious and it goes throughout the team. And that's what's going to happen. Everybody here is kind of, you know, playing off of each other and feeling good for each other. And that's the kind of scenario you want, you know, when you have a, a you know, a young team. Yeah, and I think the person at the middle of that, just to shift gears a little bit, is Julius Randle. And I'm, this might be a hot take, but I think few people are better to answer it than you. Julius is known for his hard work, and he's kind of become the captain of this team. And I didn't get to watch your team, obviously, but just reading about and watching Willis Reed in terms of what he meant to that group of guys where everyone kind of gravitated towards him and kind of took on that hard work mentality. Do you see any similarities between Julius and Willis, or am I just too drunk on Julius this year? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think that, um, yeah, you know, there is that similarity um, between, you know, those guys in terms of their work ethic and uh, how what they do on the court, how other teammates gravitate to them in, in, in terms. But, you know, it's, it's it, specifically, I guess, their leadership roles, you know, are, are similar. Um, it's also the fact they're both left-handed, you know, <laughs> that's also similar, you know. But oddly enough, you know, with things, you know, you know, Willis did it and what he did and all the accolades he received, I mean, you know, people don't even realize he only played 10 years here in, in, in New York. You know, you, 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 would, you think about those times and what you think it was forever, but, um, you know, he, you know, he did what he did when he did it. And, you know, sometimes, you know, like you said, you didn't see those teams or whatnot, but, you know, when I do things like this, I like to throw those names back out because their names are, you know, synonymous, you know, especially here in New York, uh, you know, with the Knicks. I mean, those for New Yorkers and, and the Knicks, those were very transformative years. And um, that's the reason why the, those Knicks are loved today, because they were so transformative. You know, you had the, the Day the Bushers, uh, I won't throw out, some, throw out all these names that I, if I could think of it. Um, you know, you got Dick Barnett, of course, Willis, uh, uh, Bill Bradley, Phil Jackson, um, Dave Stallworth, um, Cassie Russell. Um, wow, who else? Brian Reardon. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, in, in my years, that I came in and we won. Uh, it was Dean Memmercher, Jerry Lucas, Henry Bibby, and uh, not to even mention Hawthorne Wingo. So, you know, these are names that, you know, kind of live in, in, in Nick Lore, so to speak. And, um, you know, I think it's important that, you know, we realize that when we compare from back then to today, that, you know, there is a difference. But at the same time, I think that, Julius has a chance to be that transformative player that the Knicks have been looking for since maybe Patrick Ewing. And, um, you know, Willis was the heart and soul of the team from the moment he got here. And, you know, I think although Julius has done it so great this year, it's only been this year. So we have to give him more time to, you know, really establish what he's done. But, you know, from my vantage point, he's, he's, he's done an excellent job. And 
bringing guys together, that's the most important thing, you know, and um, he, he had, he's done it. You know, when you have success, it's important that that success be spread. And he understands that, you know, his, his passing has gotten to be, you know, pinpointing and so, so forth and so on, you know, his rebounding. And so, and so, you know, yes, you have that Willis Reed factor, you know, but, you know, they play different, different roles, so to speak. Willis was an inside guy. He hit the short jumpers and whatnot. He, uh, he rebounded his tenacious. He was a bully on defense, as a matter of fact. But, you know, when you, when you come back to Julius Randle, you know, he's a point forward that plays big as well. So, you know, the, the three-pointers, and he's stepping into three-pointers like he's been shooting them all his life <laughs> at this point. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, you know, this, you know, I guess you can hear it in my voice, but I'm excited about this team. I, I'm excited about the possibilities of what this team could be later on. Now, you mentioned transformative a couple times there. I thought that was a good word. Because I feel like this is what you would hope this first season becomes, a, a stepping stone towards something transformative after the last couple decades here, as we know, haven't gone. Aside from like the mellow era briefly, it was a, it's was it been a rough ride, right? So do you think Tom Thibodeau has sort of established that first step very clearly? Because it's a drastic difference, and it does take a transformative kind of presence to come in, not just from Julius coming in and doing the work, but across the board. You need someone to help set the tone up top so that the players can, you know, kind of fall in line to some degree. But um, do you, you know, feel that he's either A, the man for the job in the long run, or just B, that this is sort of at least, at the very least, kind of a clear and obvious first step to get out of that that basement situation we were long falling into? Well, I think, he, again, you know, another great job. Um, and you think in terms of coach of the year, he has to be in that, um, you know, in that category of being one of those people that might be selected. Um, he has turned his team around and he's turned it around because he came with a, with a real game plan. Um, you know, the things that we've, we've seen, and I shouldn't say it like that, <laughs> how we've seen this team being coached in the last few years has not been, you know, I wouldn't think it was the type of coaching that I would like to see. And I said it on one of the Nick Young games uh, 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 interviews earlier this year is that um, Thibodeau, he comes in and he's going to be, first of all, a defensive coach, which is something that, you know, we haven't seen that much of, you know, the last few years, you know, secondly, he's going to demand that guys be certain types of player, more professional. And he's done pretty much this, that. Um, I would think that if anything, um, he's brought back a sense of, 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 of winning that we haven't had here in a long, anticipation of winning. You, you find these guys, they could be out of a game, but you never feel as though they're out of a game. You always feel as though they could come back. And he's got them playing that type of defense where they're hustling, they're you know looking out for each other, um, and they are, they always have a chance to come back because 
They could get the steals. They could get to hit the big jumper and so forth and so on. And, and that's what, for me, that's what makes this is all, you know, it's really exciting because I'm not going to just leave the, the TV at, at, at five minutes and they're down. I'm going to stay there for that last five minutes because I know they got a possibility of coming back. That's that's been a huge part of this. Like, I mean, last year working games or watching games, it like felt like a chore or a task and you could easily walk away. But this year I'm like glued. I'm glued for every single second. Um, So Tom Thibodeau has had a huge effect, as you said. I mean, we are a much better defensive team. We've improved across the board in so many areas. Guys are buying in. Uh, you know, we've taken a huge step. And I know that you said sort of with the Julius comparison to Willis, where you were saying, you know, he just got here, he just started. So what do you think the next step may be? Like, what do you think this, as you watch this team, what is it that you see that could have them grow to that next level? Well, you know, I'm kind of old school, you know. I I like to see teams that stay together. And I I believe that this team, um, of course, they'll get more peeps, pieces and, and, and whatnot. Uh, Topham will come come on and he'll play better, um, you know, in the second year. Um, but keeping the core of the team together, you know, that's one of the hardest things to do in this day and age because of, you know, free agency and whatnot. But keeping the core of this team together, I think, is very important. And, yeah, it's getting a couple of more pieces you know, might help. But we don't know what this team is, is really capable of doing because as, as the year's going on and you haven't had Burks, you know, in the lineup, I mean, you want to see the team when it's fully compact with everybody playing, everybody healthy, and seeing where they go. Yeah, you're going to get some other, you know, players. You're going to go out, I don't know, get a, you know, another superstar per se, or some type of player like that. And interestingly enough, this year, after this year, you could do that because last year you couldn't do that because nobody wanted to come here. But this year you can do that because guys see that this is a team that's, it's, it's, it's budding, it's getting ready to, to burst out and they want to be a part of it. So, you know, I see, yeah, okay, great. Next thing that they need to do, I guess, is, you know, just keep stacking up. But I think that the core of the team has to stay, you know, intact. I agree. I think that's very important as well. And you say it's because you're an old school guy. So I wonder back in the day, like, you know, back to back to those teams. And when you came over and you meshed with Clyde and you came into a team that had good chemistry, you know, what was it that made you guys click? Like, you know, here, Tibbs, Tibbs has gotten everybody to buy in. They say that all the time, Big 15, everybody's buying in from top to bottom. So what was it for you guys? Well, I think, um, you know, first of all, we were, we were a veteran team. And um, for veteran teams, the, the instance of what you're doing is a little bit different than teams that are young, that are young teams. Uh, we came in, we knew what we had to do. You know, the job, it was a real job for us. But, you know, we enjoyed the job because we enjoyed each other. Um, New York at that time was all, was, you know, a, a place of coming together. In the early 70s, man, it, it was, uh, you know, it was a 
it was laissez-faire. It was, you know, you know, people were happy, you know, the team was winning, you know, the atmosphere in New York, it, it was it was great. And it's interesting because I was at a a uh, a banquet maybe a, about three years ago or so, and Mike Messina was there, you know, so it was the Yankees and they they're talking about this and that and so forth. And so Mike Messina said, Yes, you know, this is, you know, the Yankees town or whatever. And so when I got out to, to speak, you know, I had to tell Mike, you know, yeah, you know, the Yankees are good and all that, but this, this town ain't rocking if the Knicks ain't rocking. And, you know, and you can see what's happening right now with the Knicks doing what they're doing and how, the you know, you go out and people are talking Knicks. They're not talking about anything else. You know, and that's the, that's the great thing about being in New York is the fact that, you know, this is what's going to happen if the Knicks is ha are happening. Yeah, I, I do think that's important, too, because obviously we know about the other uh, the other New York team at this point in time. But 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 when when the Knicks are suddenly the fourth seed, I mean, well, does it really matter? I mean, that, that's kind of what it's come down to. I mean, we've, everybody's been having a blast. That's the best, the biggest thing about this season. We've been on Nick's Twitter. We've been on in these internet streets for a long time, and it's been a sad, miserable, angry place a lot of years. <laughs> and this year has been just unbridled joy because it's like one part they're winning, of course, but also the expectations were just, hey, maybe we could get sneak into the playoffs. It was like the ceiling for expectations. And now they have like a stranglehold on four, kind of that four to six range, and they might actually get home court, which is, again, not something a lot of people expected. So, uh Joy has been the word around here, especially for guys like me. I was I was pessimistic for a while. I'm 30 years old. Hasn't been great in my 30 years in, in Knicks land, but I mean, you you can't watch this team play as hard as they do now, and 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 not get anything but excited every day when you when you talk about them. Like this show has been wildly positive this season, and it's probably thrown off most of our listeners, <laughs> but it, it's been enjoyable nonetheless. Like that's the best way I could describe it. Well, again, when the Knicks are doing it, everything is happening, and uh, and everybody benefits from it. You're benefiting from it by people listening into you and, and and talking and want to see what you say. Uh, what's going to happen for the next game or what happened in the, in the past game? It's you know, it's a it's an exciting time, um, and like you said, you know, nobody really you know felt that this was how it was going to be. Uh, Certainly, um, you know, just sneaking into the playoffs was, was, was going to be acceptable. Now, now you get to another expectation and we don't know, you know, how far they could go. I mean, when you think in terms of where they land in terms of the final playoffs, um, you don't really, you know, it doesn't really matter per se what teams they play because, you know, whatever team they're going to play, it's going to be hard. They're going to play. They're going to play out there. They're going to play hard, and they could beat any team. See, that's the that's the factor that, that a lot of people don't realize about this particular team. When they're on, they could beat any team that's out there. And there's no there's no like teams is really running away. Now you talk about across town neighbors. Uh, uh, you know the the Nets. You know they they're 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 something else. But you know. I hope I don't. I wouldn't want to see them anywhere except for in, in in the finals. Yeah, 
not definitely. Um, they they are scary still. I mean, they they've only been at basically two thirds strength most of the year interchangeably. They'd have any two of Kyrie and Harden or KD and Harden, you know, at, at any given time. They haven't really been fully healthy. I think they've played less than seven total games in the regular season with all three of them so far. So either, either way, despite that, they've been very good and you never want to play talent, that much talent, especially in any playoff series. So I agree with you. Like all I'm trying to do is get to the playoffs, get this home court advantage, beat the crap out of the Celtics, move on to the next round. <laughs> And then whatever, wherever the chips may fall after that, we, we've done our job this season. We made the playoffs. We advanced. You know, we, we got those Boston bums out of here. We could just figure out the rest going into the offseason. You know, as a, as a, uh, a kid growing up, um, my fa- in Philadelphia, my favorite team was the Celtics. So, so, you know, and my first game in, in the NBA was against the Celtics. So, I had a really hard time that that first game playing against those guys, and uh, that mystique still still lingers with me. I gotta ask now, since you said it, who, which player was your favorite from the Celtics? Like, what was why were they your favorite team growing well, up? Well, um, I started playing basketball when I was fourteen, so. You know, the Celtics were, you know, rolling at the time and whatnot. And so when I started playing, we had a team and we called ourselves the Trotters. And we just patterned ourselves after the Celtics. You know, we get the ball out, hit it up, throw it up, and then there's a guy. So in other words, that would be Russell takes the ball out, throws it to Kuzi. Kuzi hooks, pass it down to Sharman. Sharman to the, to the, to the free throw line. Jumper, good. That's that was our game. That was our game. So you know, all those guys, you know, influenced how I played the game, and uh, you know how I thought about the game. And unfortunately, because we were you know young guys that were grow- growing up together, we learned the game. You know, it wasn't about just playing the game. We learned the game, and we learned the game from playing together, and we learned the game from what they call the old heads that, that were older than us that taught us what we should do that pulled us aside and say, Hey, Hey, Earl, you know, you, you know, you could have done, you could have gone this way or you could have done this when that guy did that. And, you know, so, you know, those formative years, you know, they really set a standard as to where you finally get to in this game of basketball. And since you're talking about, you know, learning the game, I did a little research. I saw that you were actually interested in soccer and baseball before basketball. So soccer specifically, since soccer is such a team game, you kind of you can't have one guy bring the ball up the pitch and score a goal. Did soccer, you know, being involved in soccer early on, did that kind of help develop basketball? Because I feel like basketball at its peak is best when it's, you know, the ball is moving around and defenses can't, you know, gravitate towards one guy. So how did soccer kind of help you if it did learn the game of good basketball? Well, you know, in soccer, you know, it's, it's really, it's about teamwork and, uh, you know, getting the ball, you know, the, the, the fullback, you know, as we had it here, you know, keeping the ball away from the goalie and uh, getting it up to the half and, you know, the halfback, you know, hitting, you know, kicking the ball up front so the, you know, the forwards can go and, uh, you know, try and, you know, score, get the ball in the position to take a shot. Um, 
for me, um, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, I'll tell you a little story. But for me, you know, being on the soccer field, I was always the best in the best shape when I went to the basketball court. So I was running around guys. I didn't have a game, but I was running around guys and whatnot. So at, at, at one point in, in, in high school, I, I decided I was going to go out for football. And so I went down to the football field and then Kofi gave me all the equipment and they told me to sit up in the stands and watch the practice and so forth and so on. And so I did that. And I saw how hard these guys was hitting and whatnot. The coach found all his equipment on in the stands. I was down at the soccer field for the next day. <laughs> Too much contact for me. <laughs> okay, so you were influenced by the Celtics. You were also influenced by soccer. And I know I, I went to a basketball camp and one of the kids there was All-State and he said that he played soccer also to get his footwork better. So I feel like that may have added to the art form in your game. And just to be someone who others who play the game regard your play style as an art form, you know, do you feel like, so those are, that's who you were influenced by, but do you see people who are similar to you? Like, do you ever watch anybody even maybe not current, but over the years and just see who may have, you know, taken some pages out of your book? Well, well, when I look at the game today, it's kind of like the game I played back in the day. You know, um, uh, it was like you know. Of course, I wasn't dunking. I was I would I would get out on a breaking dunk, but I wasn't dunking overcast. You know, but uh, you know, my head has been you know kind of like in this frame, um, uh, getting the ball out you know, individual stuff, you know, but, but winning team stuff, um, you know, there are guys that I think that, you know, yeah, there are guys that have taken some of the things, but they, the things that they've taken, you know, they, they've improved upon it and, and made it even better, you know? Um, but if I was playing today, I, I think this would be the kind of game I would be playing anyway. And that was it. When I came out, I had to more or less, as I had to tone my game down for, so for the most part. And, you know, everybody, when I first got in, it was, oh, he's a hot dog, he's this, he's that, until they started seeing the fans come in, you know, to, to see me. So then I became, I, came, I went from a hot dog to a genius, you know, in like, in like six months. So, so you know, it... it it's, it's great to see this game and, and how it's, 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 it's developed and, and so forth. And, but a lot of times I look at it and, and I see myself even in the game, in this game. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, that's an excellent point because when you look back at your next team specifically, that two-guard lineup with like you and Clyde, like that's like every NBA lineup now runs these these sort of, uh, well-rounded two-guard sets. Like, you know, growing up in the 90s, it was like, you know who your point guard was, and then the two-guard was always pretty much just like just a shooter, more of a catch-and-shoot guy. Hopefully, he has more upside than that, but it was more cut and dry. And I feel like 
you guys actually played more of a modern game than like when we always talk about bringing back like the 90s Knicks energy, right? I feel like maybe we should be talking more about bringing back the 70s Knicks energy because that two guard set is kind of like where you want to be in the modern game. Because I do agree. I think your play style would have fit right in with today. That's exactly what you should be going for. Well, I always thought that, you know, you know, even when we didn't have a good team here in New York and when Clyde and I was there, one of the great, you know, good things is that I always felt that if you had two good guards, you could always stay in the game. You could always, you know, you might not win a game, but you could be in the game and maybe get lucky down the stretch, you know? Um, but, you know, that was one of the reasons, you know, I enjoyed playing with Clyde. I mean, we, we both, you know, I think it was 75 or so. We, we both um, made the starting all-star team, you know, two, you know, two guards on the all-star team starting. So that was, uh, that was a little bit different um, even for back in those days. Um, but I think that when you think about this game, I mean, it's all about, it's all about here. Most, it's a lot of talent out there. Everybody can run, jump, and, and so forth and so on. But the guys who can think the game through are the, are the guys who are successful in it. And if you, you know, you know, you've got a lot of talent that never really got to where they should be because they didn't understand the real part of the game. You know, there are guys that have been in the league for a long time that, that you say, well, how's he in it? Only because he understands what he's supposed to do. See, everybody's not a star in this game, but everybody can fit in the game. Where do you fit? That's the whole idea when you think in terms of guys coming into the Where do you fit? Where do you fit with this team? Because what you can do might not be what this team needs. So you got to know what it is that you could do in order to stay and maybe move somewhere else later on to a team that you could, you know, do what you can do. So it's all a matter of being able to think the game, understand the game, and know your own talents. I'm preaching now. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, look, that, that's that that's really the right idea. I mean, it, it's always better to have, you know, you want guys who are more talented than less. So hopefully that's the dream because then you can get a couple of these guys and then you figure out what you're good at and what and how you need to fit. But um, I actually, you know, more, more so than just on playing with Clyde, because we, we know you, you've gotten to talk a lot about that playing with Clyde in those glory days. I read somewhere that you're a bit perturbed that people don't remember your uh, your Bulls Knicks playoff series. You know they talk about the Celtics, they talk about the Lakers, they talk about these other things, but you guys had some good series against the Knicks. So I want you to maybe give us a little bit of background on that. I want to let you talk about that and also just lacing them up against Clyde specifically, like going up. You got the you got the best of both worlds. You got to play directly against them and in the playoffs. And then you have to go team up with them afterwards. Like, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> well, um, you know, I think the thing that, that has always motivated me was competition. And, and coming into the league, I mean, Clyde and I have been, you know, we joined at the hip forever. Uh, you know, f even if we didn't want to be. But we're joining at the hip forever. And it started really back in high school when there was a guy who played with me 
and he graduated a year or so before I did, he went to Southern Illinois. So bang, that was that was the first time. Then they sent my my uh, pictures of, of me playing to the coach of Southern Illinois um, about me going maybe there. And um, the guy came back and said, well, I couldn't dribble well enough. <laughs> so, so, okay. So then we go out in, in our senior year in, in, in college, Clyde wins NIT. I went in that, you know, in, in the college division championship. So, you know, there's, there's talk with whatnot back, back and forth there. Then I'm the second person chosen in the draft. Clyde is the fifth, fourth or fifth. And so now we're battling as rookies. When he comes in, to, you know, they're talking Clyde. When I go to New York, they're talking Earl. So we, we, had, a, we had a thing. And, and it wasn't so much as what it was us. It was more media stuff. You know, more people talking about what it is that we that he could do or he couldn't do. And um, so we always had this thing. We never really talked to each other, never really said a lot to each other. You know, we just did. You know, I know Clyde would be, uh, you know, sticking his hand around me, trying to get the ball. So that got me into putting the ball in front of me if I got by so that he wouldn't be kicking, hitting the ball from behind. So, you know, I learned a lot, you know, even in playing against him, you know. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the last game that I played in, um, in Baltimore was against the Knicks. And after that game, I, my, I, you know, I had requested a trade. And my agent called me and said, Earl, don't play, don't play that game. That was, a, that was against the day. Don't play that game. We're going to sit out. So I didn't play that game. That was the last game I was supposed to play. And uh, I sat out, and I forced them to trade me. And um, it was just so happened they're going to trade me. To, you know, we got to be traded to the New York Knicks. And I had to think about it because I had, I had a lot of fun playing against Clyde. You know, I'm not quite sure he had fun playing against me. I mean, it was a competitive thing. You two young guys going after each other. Um, but um, at the end of the day, I said, well, hey, I could, you know, I'm a basketball player. I can play, you know, regardless of whatever it might be. And, uh, okay, I'll go. And that's how I got to New York. So that's how we've been, you know, we've been all this time, you know, right at the hip with each other. So just building off that, because it's funny, you did mention your trade to the Knicks. And I was watching when the Garden was Eden a couple of weeks back. And I remember you talking about you going up to New York and you were saying, I don't know if I can do this. Was it more of just the competitive nature in you to go against Clyde and go against the Knicks? Or was it more of just I, I liked being the top dog? What was it? Because everything you described in terms of what you think good basketball is, that's what the Knicks were. And you appreciated it. So what was that minor apprehension? Because it looked like it went away once Dave DeBusher went up to you. So if you could just talk a little more about that. Well, you know, first of all, as a player, you come into a league 
you come into the league and you have aspirations of your own. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish and so forth and so on. Uh, my thing was I was coming into the league. I was going to play tw 10 years. I was going to score 20,000 points and so forth and so on. We will win championships, whatever the case may be. So when I when I went to New you know went went to New York, I had to think about it because you know all those things that I had felt you know for myself that I wanted to do, I knew that that was that was going to be squashed. You know I wasn't going to be able to score that twenty thousand points. I wasn't going to be able to do all the things that I wanted to do, and I had to think about it. Am I am I Am I able to give that up in order to continue playing basketball? And so after talking with a friend of mine, you know, decided that I could do that. I can play basketball. I can do that. I'll just have to adjust because I can play basketball. And, 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 and I didn't just say I could play basketball. I said, I'm from Philly. I could play basketball. <laughs> so, you know, that was uh, that was my trip, you know, coming into New York. And, and of course, when I got here, you know, I, my first drive, just driving in, I, I looked over and I saw this car with a, a police car. And I saw these two legs up with the police car in the back. And <laughs> the policeman, and I say, wow. This is 11 o'clock at night. I said, well, this looks like my kind of town. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're from Philly. You played in New York. You played in Baltimore. You got to experience the Garden as, a, as an opponent and as a player. You got to experience winning in New York. As we see with the Knicks being pretty good now, how, like you said, it's the talk of the town, it's the talk of the city. Over the years, especially recently with the Knicks being bad, people have been saying things like, you know, questioning what the mecca of basketball is. And so just as somebody, you know, who's known basketball from way back through multiple cities, what do you, how do you feel about that d discussion? Well, <laughs> we've... Uh... <laughs> It goes back to that same thing in competition again. You know, it's always been the Philadelphia New York games when I was coming up, you know, and, and they, they might still even be playing them. It was always that question of who's best and so forth and so on. We had Wilt, you know, they had Kareem, you know, so forth and so on. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try to be non-committal. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, New York you know, has got a lot, a lot of ball players. I mean, you can think back from, from back in the days, you know, all the way up to now in terms of guys who play basketball here in New York. And, you know, because New York is so big, you know, you all these different boroughs and whatnot, and guys coming from different boroughs, you got a lot of guys who played here. We used, we used to always say that, you know, in New York, guys were always, you know, they were dunkers. They were drivers and dunkers. And, and, and in, in Philly, we were, we were thinkers and jump shooters, you know. 
And that was, you know, that was kind of like the difference between the two um, because of the fact that um, when we did come up to play, you know, um, it was always a battle. We had a different, um, 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 you know, the high school, we had the unlimited, we had the pros, um, so forth and so on. So you had the different uh, divisions that played when we came up or when they came down to Philly. Um, the one time that I can remember the last time I came up here, uh, we played against uh, Kareem. Um, and we had to change our names back in those days because, you know, college guys and whatnot, they couldn't play outside ball. So in the summer times, you had to, you know, if you're on the, on the books, they had to have your name or something else, you know, and uh, we had a, we had a, we had a heck of a game up here and uh, something that people still talk about. Um, and you gained reputation. I mean, you you played against guys that um, were were great uh, were great players, um, were great playground players. Guys who never really played pro ball, but they were great playground players. Helicopter and all those guys. I mean, you know, it was it was a fantastic time, and and it was fantastic because of the fact that you could go out and you could play in the in the playgrounds. You know, you can't do that today. You know, people don't, you know, people get hurt, you know, so there's a there's a limited amount of that. Yeah, you got your AAU teams, you got all these different teams, but you can't play a lot of pickup stuff in the, in the playgrounds today because, you know, I think they're getting ready to re, re, um, redo Rucker Park because it's been in shambles the last few years. So somebody's getting ready to redo that. So it's going to be, you know, for me, you know, I'm a Philly guy, but I'm a New Yorker. And um, when there, there was a song, I remember it back in the 70s, there was a song and I was I was talking to someone about it. And it was a song called Native New Yorker. <laughs> and I felt that was me, e even though I was from Philly. You know, because I had, you know, I have given whatever I had right up here in New York. And I always felt as though I, I, I would have that, that presence and, and that feeling of being a New Yorker, you know, even if I went somewhere else. So, you know, who's the best, you know, it's New Yorker is the best, you know, is the Mecca A and Philly is the Mecca a one. <laughs> Fair enough. Let me add a different twist to it because you did mention Rucker Park. So I got to ask, I know you were very popular on the streetball circuit coming up. Where was, like, if someone was saying, where's the best place to get a pickup game when you were coming up, which park, which court would you go to? Philly, New York, Baltimore, whatever city. Well, city. I would only know Philly because I never played in Rucker. I visited, I've seen guys play up there, but I never played in Rucker. So, um, but, you know, I have a friend, uh, Ernie Brown, who went to, went to school with me. He knew everybody, all the Rucker players. Uh, we used to play against the guys from um, uh, Texas Western, the guys who were here, um, Neville Shedd and all those guys. 
when they came to uh, Philly to play and whatnot. So, um, you know, it was just a great thing back in those days. I don't want to harp on being so far back in, in, in history and whatnot, because we're talking about the Dicks here. Um, but it was a great time to, to be a, a basketball player coming up, um, whether you're in Philly or New York, um, because of the competitions and, and, and because you had Hall of Famers that weren't afraid to be out there on a on hard, hard court playing against you. I can remember just sitting on the sideline, you know, uh, while these guys were playing and, you know, as a kid and hoping that somebody will come, will, will come down and say, hey, you want to be a fifth? <laughs> you know, hey, you want to be a fifth, man? You know, that was the ultimate. You know, you won't have that. You don't have that anymore. <laughs> now. Like you said, we don't want to, you know, go too, too much back in history. So I want to steer us back now to the modern age, the modern Knicks. Uh, we we know that they're going to be in the playoffs to some way, shape, or form. It, it's not a 100% certainty, but it would take a, a damn near historic collapse these last eight to nine games for them to fall out of the race. Uh, and even then, it would probably be play-ins, which whatever. But on that note, they're going to be in. Real quick, is there a team that you'd prefer playing? based on what you've seen this season? And is there a team that you would prefer avoiding? We know the Nets. We know that. But for like maybe like the first round teams, because for example, me, I don't want to play the, uh, the Heat. I want no parts of Eric Spolstra. I want no parts of his wizardry in the postseason. He seems to always get the most out of his guys the same way, in a similar fashion that Tibbs does. I just don't want to deal with that. I don't. I'd rather go play the Celtics. Uh, they have a fraudulent head coach, in my opinion, and Brad Stevens. Uh, <laughs> they got Brad Einstein over there. Everybody thought was the best coach in the NBA. As soon as he got the job, uh, I would like to play them, the Hawks even, but I would want to avoid the Heat. What about you? I would say a team that I would rather not play is probably the Hawks. Um, the Hawks, they've got, you know, it's just something about them um, that they they come up big. And um, I think that, you know, even with Trey um, doing what he does, um, forwards, you know, they haven't even played Gallinari and whatnot, you know, at all. You know, he might, he might play, but, you know, more the teams that have more of an outside threat, those are the teams I don't want to play. And uh, that team there, they're, they're a scrappy team. They got Capella, uh, you know, and, and he doesn't have to score. You know, he's deep defense and, and so forth, you know, just plug it up. Um, yeah, I would think that was a team that I wouldn't want to play. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, nor normally, we want to avoid the high upside shooting potential guys in the playoffs because those are the guys that go off for 41 game and just torture you and then that that is what it is. It, it, it's You can play good defense sometimes and Trey shooting from 35 feet away and there's nothing you could do about it. Yeah. Well, and it's a little bit different from when you have like a, a, a let's, let's say you play in Milwaukee or something like that. And, you, you know, there's a line, you know, most, most teams play a line where it's a uh, Anatombo, he comes down and he, wants to do stuff when, but if you play in a line, 
he can't do that. You know, make him shoot more outside shots. You know, so he's going to yep. get his or whatnot. You know, maybe up underneath, but not in the way or, or not meaningful enough that it's going to destroy what you're doing. You know, as a team. Speaking of the playoffs, so I mean, as we all know, the playoffs are a different beast from the regular season. I mean, as we all know, but you know much better than we do. Like as somebody who's experienced that, been battle tested, won a championship, you know. There was one year where Chauncey Billups was here and, you know, for like five minutes, but he went into the playoffs and he was like, uh, one thing that he told Tony Douglas was that every quarter is a game. Like the, the game is four games. You got to win every quarter individually. So as a champion with this team going into the playoffs and a lot of these guys doing it for the first time in their careers outside of like Rose and Taj Gibson, what would you have any advice for them going into the playoffs as far as like mindset or just any little nuggets? Well, I, I've always thought that, you know, the only thing that is really different in the playoffs is, is the defense, as far as I was concerned. And, and, and the defense only because I think the refs allow you to be a little more physical. And so if I was to give someone any kind of advice, I would just say, you know, you got to take these games one game at a time. And don't think about, you know, you're in the playoffs. You know, you just because you you have what you did to get here is is significant enough in order for you to win. So you have to be able to, you know, try and duplicate what you've been doing to get here in order to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing that I like about this Knicks team. And I've said it on this pod a couple different times, but they've seemingly played like playoff basketball most of the season is the way that I like to describe it. Because it's been a weird season and you can't replicate the playoffs, of course, because it's going to be different, especially for guys like Julius. You know, they're going to be sending all kinds of traps and pressure at him once the, the actual game starts. He sees them now a little bit, but it's a little bit of a lesser degree. You know how it goes in the playoffs when they're only scheming against you for four to seven straight games. But, um... I guess, where do you stand on how well does this bode for them in an actual series once they get there? Because they've really not been playing in any blowouts this year. It's been very tight games. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a, a good thing because, you know, you play enough tight games, you, you start to understand how to win. And, you know, as, as, as we've been talking about, this, this is a team that's, that's, that's learning to win. And this is a team that's, you know, together – um, they could they could win. Um, I think the main thing in a nutshell, as as you you know approach the, the playoffs, is to, first of all you want to be as healthy as possible. You know, so you're going to probably you know is, if you got a big enough lead, you could you know take off some nights or you know at least play less, and so that you could be ready and and for the playoffs when they start. But I think that um, if you it's all about understanding what you have. I mean, these guys, you know, you understand that you, how you've won these games and whatnot. And this is a different culture. You know, right now, this is not the same team that you've always had. This is a different team. This is a different team from the beginning of the season. So now these guys are learning. It's a different culture of learning uh, what you can do and how you can do it. And if you've been playing a lot of close games, 
you've already got a blueprint of how to make it make it happen for yourself. And I just think that you know that's important. I I'm, I I will I can only revert back to you know myself and when we play. But it, even as a Baltimore Bullet, um, you know we went from last place to first place in in a season, and that was about. Once we start, we started playing close games, get the, uh, the last tip in or getting, you know, somebody hitting a jumper in the last, in last second or so. And that, that presented a, a confidence base that we could win. And, and we, it didn't matter who took it because we relied on everybody. So, you know, you get that confidence built up and, and, you know, you start to get comfortable in that and, and know that you can, you know, no matter what that, that score is, you know, you got a shot to come back. That's a heck of a feeling. Yeah. I, I was going to say on the confidence note, you know, me and Sean, uh, me, Sean, Mike, we were talking about this on the last pod, but I feel like at least with the defense and the confidence, those are the two big things that they've gone for them. The offense we know has been up and down. The last 15 games, they rank like third somehow because the the three point shooting has been, it's just been a barrage lately. Uh, I, I've read in 2021 every month so far, they've gotten better at three point shooting uh, with their open shots, which is obviously what you want the whole point. But um, there's no more confident player in the NBA right now than Julius Randle. Like, I truly believe that. When you watch him shoot, some of these shots that he's taking, he doesn't care if you're five feet away from him or you're five inches away from him. He's shooting the ball. He's shooting it in your face. He's going to make the jump shot. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, he's going to feel some different pressure in the playoffs, but that's what you want. You want to have a guy who's playing this well and playing this confident, you know, on top of the defense and the team and everything else. Like, that that's a guy that you need. He's got to be on. And, and it's hard not to be when you're playing with that level of confidence. Yeah, well... The good thing about that is the fact that he's shooting and he's on, but the fact of the matter is that he could also see, he's, you know, he's big enough, uh, you know, that he could see guys. So he's always looking at other guys and other guys are getting post up, you know, post up jumpers. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, shots. I got another open shot <laughs> and they're knocking them down. And, you know, so that loosens up everything on you as, as the game goes on, because they know that if they double team you, you got guys who actually can knock it down. And that's, you know, that's <laughs> one of the tricks about, about being a guard is that if you're doing stuff and you, and you're making good plays and you shoot, shoot it off to a guy and he's, he's not making that shot. The next time you go and shoot it yourself, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's right though. It, it's it's right, and 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 you know it, it's a good point because I feel like sometimes people wonder why players will look off an open shooter or or look off somebody like that. And I feel like that those are the kinds of things that they gotta figure out and ask themselves. Like, did this player, you know, do something to? kind of lose that trust. It, it, did he miss four or five in a row? Did he take a bad shot? Did he not shoot when he was supposed to shoot and try to drive to the basket into a double team or into the help? Little things like that are going to always make, you know, when Randall's handling the ball so much, like that kind of stuff is going to, you know, show up even with how much he trusts guys. Like Reggie, he's always hitting Reggie. Reggie always knows where to be and he always knows where to hit Reggie. Like it's a beautiful connection. RJ, we've seen him build that up over the last year. Last year, they didn't really have it. 
this year, RJ's hitting his shots, and guess what? Randall is feeding him every, you know, every all the looks he can get at this point. So, I mean, it's it, it really is an excellent point because they need to have that if they're going to have any kind of success, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I think the Knicks are hitting their peak at the perfect time. Last 15 games, second-ranked offense and third-ranked defense are flip-flop. It's amazing times. I can't wait for the playoffs. Earl, if you can come back on for the playoffs, we'd love to have you, but this was fantastic. Everybody, make sure you go follow this icon at Real Earl Monroe on Twitter. Welcome him to the Twitter family, and we can talk more about playoffs as that time comes, but unless you have anything else to plug, Sean, you got anything to plug? Um, You know, you guys subscribe to YouTube for post-game prosperity. Uh. I'm saying post game prosperity only because no pouting because None. no losses. None. So yeah. we're starting the, the new win streak has started. The energy is going to go up with every win. It's going to continue to. Thank you so much, Pearl. We appreciate you. Keep tweeting with us, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys, man. And just keep on doing what you're doing, man. I, I enjoy this. Uh, you know, it's hard to, you know, when you talk basketball to folks, a lot of times you don't like talking basketball because folks don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so it's, it's great to talk some basketball, man. <laughs> no, this was great. No, I definitely um, appreciate you hopping on, making the time for us, man. Um, you know, it, you know, bucket list thing for us, of course. But yeah, just happy to talk basketball with the legend anytime we can. Appreciate it. Oh yeah, look, 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 look at this. Look at that. <laughs> Hey, hey. <laughs> magazine on my desk. Perfect. Oh, oh man. All right, my friend. Okay. So we'll much take here. It. Take, take it care, easy, bro. All the best. Take care. Okay. Until next time, guys. Bye bye.